Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into ancient Taoist texts to uncover their ancient wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist, and I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach, David Wong. Hello, Ian. Morning, David. Morning. Hey. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing, I'm doing. Good, 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 good. So today we're going to um, focus on one of our themes rather than a chapter. We're going to look at the themes of empowerment and delegation. And a lot of this is going to be within the context of organizations. So many people spend most of their lives within organizations with their careers and, and jobs. And since Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu wrote much of it to be sort of a, a guide for leadership when we think about what a sage is. In many ways, a sage is a leader. And so we're going to talk about how to be a sage when it comes to empowerment and delegation today. And so one of the things I was doing some research this week and found a really interesting article on Taoist leadership. And it gets into, um, they kind of talk about five primary characteristics when it comes to Taoist leadership. And the five characteristics that this article mentioned was being altruistic, modest, flexible, transparent, and gentle but persistent. So, so David, with with your expertise in executive coaching, the first thing I kind of want to ask you is, what do you think of those five characteristics? So, is it complete? Is it too much? Is it too little? What's your reaction to just those five characteristics as it relates to um, being a Taoist leader? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say the first thing, uh, uh, first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, some of the qualities uh, that have been increasingly uh, emphasized in the in the corporate world nowadays are you know reflects some of these ideas uh, among those five uh, for example you know there's uh, uh, a growing you know um, research on how important uh, humility uh, you know empathy compassion those things are you know to effective leaders um, so that's the, my, my, my first thought. My second thought is, interestingly, the way that leadership effectiveness is framed in the kind of leadership development or executive coaching world is more on behaviors and competencies. So in other words, there's a de-emphasis on the virtue or character 
side of things. Although I would say I look back in the much older literature, there's quite a lot of talk about that. Um, you know, my theory is might there might be some you know new trends later on that you know seems to de-emphasize the kind of the the value aspect of things and just focus on the behavior. You know, maybe you know a lot of the rather kind of the thinking that uh, um, you know that doesn't want to get to the moralistic side of things. Mm -hmm. Well, all that sort of makes me also kind of want to lead to more of a meta question because I, I don't, I think we take it for granted a lot of times, which is why, why do people, why are people being led within organizations? What is the function of leadership? Why do organizations want people to be led? That's a great question. I, I think the the fundamental notion is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, you know as organization gets larger and more complex, uh, there needs to be some way of organizing or controlling, because otherwise you know things are plunging into chaos or uh, out of control. I think that's the most probably most uh, uh, fundamental uh, need uh, to create uh, things because, you know, organization wants to achieve certain objectives and uh, heading into certain directions. Again, you know, it's about uh, controlling. Mm -hmm. And then, and in our society, you know, those what's the leadership in, in service of as far as the objectives? I mean, what typically is that, are those objectives in service of? Um, well, first of all, like the coming up with a vision, you know, coming, uh, you know, exactly why the organization or the company, what, what's the purpose of, ex of its existence? and mm -hmm. its desired destination. So those are kind of things that uh, leadership are supposed to, you know, to be driving, you know, with the input and participation of other people uh, in the organization. Mm -hmm. And so those, the, the leadership in, in service of the, the destination, I mean, we're, we're in a society where, I mean, that's always top down, right? Like, so, you know, the 99.999% of the time, the destination is, is a top down destination. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the traditional model is more, uh, command and control. Now, mm -hmm. uh, there are two things now at play. One is what if the top people, they don't have enough information the people on the front line they know about the markets more uh sometimes you know they have more experiences and you know uh observations uh you know from their interaction with customers so uh it's not uh necessarily uh quite as top down as it used to be 
But I would say mm -hmm. at the end of the day, still somebody needs to decide. So you get mm -hmm. lots of input, uh, you know, from all different people. But at the end mm -hmm. of the day, it needs to take the process from the uh, divergence uh, thinking, uh, you know, process into a convergence. You know, some kind of closure or uh, conclusion needs to be made, and that usually falls on the, the you know, the lap of the leader. Mm -hmm. And and kind of where I'm going is is what I'm first kind of wondering is a modern with with the modern economic system mm -hmm. the way that it's laid out mm -hmm. and with our situation as being these time bound creatures within you know kind of the the gears of this economic system i mean really fundamentally what i'm trying to to flesh out or or, or question is 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 sage leadership or Taoist leadership compatible with our modern world with its notions of productivity profit top-down ownership you know an, an economic system existing for itself rather than the people that that generate that that system it kind of questioning is it even compatible well it depends on how you see it if you see you know the Taoist leadership as gentle soft uh you know all the inside of things uh because we're talking about yin and yang you know as mm -hmm. the you know holistic uh operation of Tao. if you just mm -hmm. talk about purely inside of things, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of conflicts between the two mm. because the traditional one is more, you know, heart driven, you know, top down and things like that. Um, so yeah, yeah. But I think because of the, the dynamics of Tao, uh, people recognize a lot of the, the, a lot of the unintended consequences of that being heart driven and top down uh, people are bringing in more, you know, uh, flexible and gentle and inclusive side of things. Uh, I think that might uh, that might improve things a little bit. I would mm. say. And, and so it it sounds like some of the the balancing act is still necessary. That that balancing act that that the lessons of Lao Tzu can help help create those conditions better. I think so. I, I think that's the, probably the way it goes. Uh, you know, when I, th you know, thank you for sharing that article uh, with me about, you know, I, I, I noticed that uh, there's a collection of authors who uh, really uh, uh, address uh, very interesting topics, you know, about the Taoist uh, leadership. One of the concerns I have is you know, put those five things around a box, in, in a box, um, mm. you know, which may, you know, I, I feel like may create a risk of just like in other, you know, ethical aspect of our world. You know, we, we start to, as we try to categorize it, we also, mm. you know, set limits around it. That's my biggest concern because I, I feel like uh, in the real working of the leadership, there's more, it's more dynamic than 
what the article, the scholars portray there. It was a little too much of a looking at it too academic from just a, a controlled environment versus reality, which is uncontrolled, uncertain, ambiguous, not concrete, um, far more complex than what our rational minds can um, you know, put any sort of certainty around. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I, I kind of reacted a little bit to is the this notion of Eastern versus uh, Westerners. Because mm -hmm. I, I think in my cross-cultural experience, sometimes I see more, uh, you know, Westerners stylistically, they, they may appear, uh, you know, very assertive and, uh, you know, very confident, but at their heart, they have the humility to study the process than the uh, the contemporary, I would say, Easterners, like uh, in the leadership position. So, uh, you know, I do not see that as a good comparison, like say, oh, here's the Eastern Lao Tzu's way and here's the Westerners thinking. I think it really comes down to like individuals and probably individual characters you know, personalities who tend to have, well, one way of doing things than the other. Yeah, even in, in quote unquote, Western um, business books and, and theories talk a lot about introverted versus extroverted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so obviously, even within, I mean, that's a generalization, but even within Western kind of corporate organizational text, there's a lot of talking about, you know, how extroverted people work versus introverted people. And um, so yeah. there, there's clearly not a, a monolithic way of showing up in organizations if you're in the U.S. or if you're in China. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of times it's very dynamic and it's very, uh, I would say, situational. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes I was wondering whether adopting a certain type of Taoist uh, leadership style is a, really a good thing because you're turning that into, I don't know, like a, a, a mm -hmm. precepts or a set of rules. As yeah, opposed one, to, one aspect, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times you see that, like, take, take delegation and uh, empowerment, for example, uh, a lot of times it's not, it's the natural process that almost compels uh, leaders to, uh, you know, adopt certain approach. Uh, there, a lot of them, their natural tendency is fear. You know, it's very, they, they want to control things. They want to, mm -hmm. you know, they set a high standard uh, for themselves because mm -hmm. that's how they, uh, they, in the organization, they get promoted in the first place because uh, they work very hard. So they tend to be very meticulous and even like to the extent of controlling. So when they become mm -hmm. leaders, it's hard to let go those characteristics. So they, you know, do it with the people who work with them, which is less effective. So that's mm -hmm. the kind of the uh, complexity, com uh, complexity they, they usually face a lot of times because they, if they, try to impose the similar standard onto other people uh, and uh, do it in their own way, um, then 
they will have a very hard time getting the work done because that means they, they, they create a whole bunch of clones of themselves. Yeah, there's a paradox to it where the the attitude and approach that they applied to themselves is what led them to rise through the ranks. But when they arrive, now they need a whole new set of skills, attitudes, demeanor, and that's obviously going to be challenging for a lot of people who have maybe spent a decade or more shaping their mind in a certain way and then they arrive and it's like oh this isn't going to work anymore exactly exactly so there's a saying uh which goes like what got you here won't take you there so what you got you here you know from a individual uh you know individual contributor uh may not get you there to a you know uh, uh you know effective leadership uh you have to start to re be more reflect uh, reflective and self-aware of your own behaviors and how those behaviors impact the people uh, you lead or you work with. Well, and that's where I, I wonder, again, with the, the water metaphor, just, you know, water can be very hard, like, uh, and, and very firm, like a, like a glacier. Yeah. Or it can be yep. extremely soft and transparent, like, fog yeah. or, and, and everything in between. And so it, what are your thoughts on water as a metaphor for that kind of sage leadership when you talk about how leaders can't just apply the minds like that, that singular mindset that got them to the, the top? Uh, very, I think it's very, that kind of characteristics is, uh, although people won't necessarily use like water, like in the Taoist sense, but I, mm -hmm. I see um, a trend in being more uh, like that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, words that have been used are, you know, being flexible, adaptable, agile. So those are all terms that seem to me like that, uh, talked about um, how in this new world of uh, they call it VUCA world, right? VUCA world, the the volatile, uncertain, mm. you know, uh, changing and complex and uh, uh, you know ambiguous world we are living mm -hmm. in. Uh, if somebody has adopts a well, you know, a, a singular mindset or or binary. Mm mindset uh mm -hmm. that in itself it, it will you know it will lead to uh suboptimal consequences mm -hmm. this this acknowledgement now that mm -hmm. uh, it's it, we've kind of shifted from the newtonian worldview to the einsteinian worldview where you know things are relative there's no solid ground there's these shifting sands that are constantly present reason and rationale is only going to get you so far because ultimately everything's far more uncertain than um, people want to believe. And so it's, it's, it's trying to embody the mindset or the, the being that these leaders need to have to 
kind of bring a whole organization through that terrain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not random, though. I think that's the most interesting thing is uh, uh, if we look around the world, uh, you see two bunch of people. One are too rigid and they are holding on to something, mm. holding on to a dogma or ideology or certain way of thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, then the opposite side is, all, you know, things are, are collapsing, you know, are falling apart. You know, there's this notion of chaos that sounds like, like that sometimes feel like, oh, it's pretty random. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. uh, the most interesting thing is uh, within this chaos, there's still a some kind of underlying order there. That's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe one of the ama amazing things about uh, Taoism. I think Tao has both that notion of being dynamic and moving, right? It's moving, all, 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 always like returning and, right? But at the mm -hmm. same time, there's that uh, stillness or quietness that does have the order that holds everything together. Well, and it's interesting that you, you said that it's in stillness that that happens. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I would say, you know, let's, you know, talk one of the characteristics of the water, for example. Uh, water is obvious, very dynamic, you know, as you describe, like it's very, you know, I, I think um, a lot of times it can take different shapes, right? You know, under different conditions. But don't you see there's that also there's very beautiful um, constant there, which mm -hmm. is the, the, the beneficiaring, the, the uh, how would you say, the altruistic part of the mm -hmm. things, right? Ultimately, it nourishes and uh, it, it, it nurtures. It, it's life-giving. Mm -hmm. So that in itself, I think, uh, I would say similarly, if you look at all the leaders and uh, different people have different positions and they, you know, they some some people go this far and some people go even further. So how do you explain that difference ultimately? Uh, over the years, I've seen maybe there's just one 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 thing. If I have to nail it down, is their capacity, their concerns for something bigger than themselves. You know, you can call it altruistic, mm. but ultimately. It's about, it's not about themselves. You know, they're, yeah. in the leadership field, it's like, it's not about you. It's about, mm -hmm. you know, people you, you serve. Mm -hmm. So that really determines uh, how far they go. They go. Like, even like, I, I'm reminded of a saying, like, there's no limit to what you do or how far you go if you don't care who gets the credit. I think, you know, in the corporate world, you know, a lot of people, if they are too keen on getting recognition and credit and, you know, people can sense that people, there would be like all the dynamics from top, from around them, from their below, that kind of naturally sabotages 
you know, that kind of ambition or aspiration. I mean, that sounds good, but, it, but isn't that a bit of a performance? I mean, why do the CEOs then make so much more than everybody else if it's not about them? Well, it is that it is the kind of the almost uh, the natural law. I mean, unless you fundamentally change the systems, I don't mm -hmm. think the individuals, they it's almost its own quote unquote natural law in the current economic system. I don't think anybody has that power to change it. Uh, but at the same time, you do see individual experiences. Some people are more, uh, you know, money driven than others mm -hmm. within that framework. You see what I mean? Like, you, you, mm -hmm. you, you know, like maybe two or three or all the people, all the CEOs, they follow the same gravity pull of money. But you still can see among them who care about their people more you know, than other people. Mm. That's the only thing you can see. Yeah, the, the extra money doesn't hurt though. The extra money, um, well, it all comes to, of course, you know, because that's the currency of the current system, yeah. right? That's the currency of the system. The, I think it, it comes down to, when it comes down to individual decisions, how much of a, leeway or space they give to other things if if mm -hmm. if it's like so one singular like singularly it's all about money uh first of all it's not you know necessarily the most effective mm -hmm. and secondly maybe these individuals have different you know uh they're different they're different ethical standard or personalities that uh are not uniformly across the board. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of range and, you know, who these people are as, as um, how much space do they make in, in the role to acknowledge other people? Um, but certainly, even if their mindset is um, one that's more humane, mm -hmm. That, that initial motivation to get into that position, many times there's still sort of that, I mean, it's a known thing, right? Like, well, if I get here, my security is going to be far greater than, um, at least e economically than it would otherwise. So there's sort of that paradox there that that mindset again of, there's sort of that selfish mindset of being perfectionistic and highly driven and motivated to get up to this place that you know, okay, that's where I'm gonna have power and that's where I'm gonna have a lot of financial security. But then there's that shift again where once I'm there, how do I now be less selfish? And, and I wonder, um, you know, if we talk about there's this third point that Lao Tzu makes that it's kind of like leading an organization or, or a country is like cooking a tiny fish. What do you think 
he he means by that when leaders get into those positions. I think the um, it's about discernment. It's about discipline uh, in choosing what to what to do and what not to do. Mm. Uh, I think uh, because. There's, there are a lot, you know, in the leadership position, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's like a, a wide range of people, right? You are, you're, uh, no matter what use you, you are responsible for, or you, mm -hmm. um, uh, that you're, you're leading. I think a lot of times that creates a structural dynamics. Um, because sometimes the leaders, you know, they, if they are not self-aware enough, mm. what they say or what they do, uh, without their, you know, even being aware of it, mm -hmm. uh, had a certain, uh, effect, uh, or yeah, effect on mm. other people. And what is that effect? Well, that effect is, for example, uh, people around them may know or may interpret the likes and dislikes. Okay, uh, they try to cater to that likes and dislikes in, mm -hmm. in exchange for more favors and get closer to the leader. So, if the leader, I mean, some of the leader may, you know, manipulating that kind of thing for their own good. But there are leaders who don't, you know, necessarily have a clue at first. But they, mm -hmm. uh, it turned out that, you know, sometimes their casual words, you know, remarks, you know, end up being like an order or something. You know, people yeah. are basically taking what they are saying and sometimes even manipulate uh, that saying, that remarks into a certain imperative or mandate. Mm -hmm. So that happens in a organization a lot, of, a, a lot, of time, uh, you know, many times that creates uh, the, you know, the unintended consequences. So that's why, you know, leaders need to be, uh, the, the higher you get, the higher you need to cultivate that self-awareness. Uh, so that is how I perceive this as a, uh, you know, like when you rule a big nation, it's like frying, you know, small fish. Yeah, it makes me think of another um, Tao Te Ching phrase or or idea, which is that, you know, the, the sages look like they're crossing an icy river. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that clarity is really important. Uh, again, through uh, being mindful and being like still, sometimes you're able to achieve a level of that clarity. Mm -hmm. If there are too many thoughts 
in your head and you know you're just too busy sometimes you can lose sight of it yeah well kind of moving on to maybe some more applications of we've we've kind of talked at the high high level of of what that looked like but if we're looking at maybe some some applications mm -hmm. if if we're looking at you know these these Taoist characteristics mm -hmm. there there was also some tactics mm -hmm. that were mentioned um for sages to to lead with and and i'm not going to read read all of them some of them were um living simply and humbly rejecting the use of violence demonstrating creativity and flexibility promoting harmony encouraging people to take ownership of tasks employing soft tactics like persuasion empowerment etc i mean in your experience what have you seen leaders who embody more of these Taoist characteristics? What are some actual things that you've seen them do that, that have worked? Like this could be like case studies or examples or just one-off kind of things, but, but what are some real practical things that you've seen leaders do in, in this regard that, that have had those effects that are desired um intellectual curiosity i think uh you know a lot of times given the market is uh changing so quickly you know they can become successful uh at a certain point in time but things change very quickly so without that curiosity to continue to understand you know what's going on what's really driving the uh, you know, the behaviors of the, the their customers, they can lose the next wave of innovation and uh, the next round of competition. So they have to be really do all kinds of things to uh, to uh, really to uh, stay aware of what's going on. So if they, they, they feel like they've already got the answers and formula nailed down, that's a recipe for disaster in this kind of world. So that's the ex external, I would say. Uh, internally, um, being a good listener, uh, being inclusive, it's also important because uh, as humans, you know, on the one hand, you know, we want to, we tend to work with people. I think there's a, a lot of the leaders I work with, um, you know, sometimes they start to have a larger and larger team. And inevitably, mm -hmm. that means, you know, people are more diverse, have, I mean, diverse, not only, not in the sense of like, ethnicity or you know uh or cultural yeah but i would say even the diversity in terms of personalities and skill sets uh thinking patterns i think leaders sometimes you know they 
they want to get more things done more quickly and sometimes the diversity more diversity they have it's hard to you know really like ring in you know the all kinds of thoughts ideas um i, I think sometimes consciously unconsciously they uh start to kind of filter all the people who are not on the same wavelengths with them out of their group and surround them with people who more think alike. Uh, mm. That's a very dangerous thing because, you know, again, it's almost you are getting one side of the Tao out of your, right, out of, the, out of your universe. And that, um, that can make, you know, a discussion more, maybe more straightforward, but more, more efficient but it may not leave, lead to a, a more effective and robust solution to problems. Yeah, that there's, there's still this paradox that what's driving people to get into these roles and, and psychologically, I, I would wager that uh, uh, a lot of it is ego driven that it's this desire for a sense of self, for security, you know, to, it's this continuous, continuously reaffirming, you know, that I am someone, you know, once you get yeah, that, yeah. that position, when, when obviously um, it all comes down to nothing in the end, but that this drive for that type of, security and affirmation i can see then why people then in those roles they they don't necessarily want to feel un, uncomfortable in in that way and so there might be that tendency to push people away that don't think the same way of them mm -hmm. because it's a challenge to that sense of security like they want to feel very secure in themselves. And, and so I can see how the same mentality that got them in that position then becomes the same thing that leads to their decline and ultimately ineffectiveness if, if they don't change. Exactly. Those who stay longer or who can move a little bit higher are the ones who are aware of that kind of tension and also very uh, diligently and actively try to manage it. Uh, a lot of the leadership uh, executive coaching is around the nuances, you know, mm -hmm. nuances of how do you maintain or sustain that kind of a, you know, what I would say creative tension. You know, if some mm -hmm. leaders say, some leaders, you know, you can sense some of the leaders, they don't want to deal with those kind of things. So they tend to be uh, very, um, I would say, you can, from the conversation, you can sense that they have little room for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then that leads to a certain behavior that they, it will be manifested in their team dynamics. So more of a, a herd mentality uh, kind mm -hmm. of thing. But you can see other leaders are trying to sit. They, they, they also feel like uncomfortable than the other leader 
but they they can pause a little bit and try to understand. You know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, things as small as in the team meeting. You know, sometimes let's say a person, you know, a very smart engineer, right, who has a different way of thinking because we all, by training, right, we have different experiences. We see things differently. Mm -hmm. So if that engineer, uh, you know, said something, says something at the meeting, uh, in a very technical way, but maybe not human sensitive way. You know, if the leader starts to kind of miss the the essence of the what the engineering is trying to bring forth in terms of solutions or other ways of solving the technical problem, just be more too concerned to uh, get too uh, you know sometimes upset. Uh, they may mm -hmm. not show it, but they will you know they they feel it inside. Um, mm -hmm. But then, you know, through executive coaching, you know, the coach will work with the person to kind of wrestle with, like trying to uh, depersonalize. You know, maybe that engineer, you know, doesn't necessarily <laughs> try to undermine his power or her power. It's just simply try to look at the technical problem and, and try to make a contribution, you know? Yeah, because I mean, most of the time e engineering is, where the rubber really hits the road yep. and you have people who live conceptually and in a realm of ideas yep. where they ultimately get challenged in in the engineering world where it's just like, yeah, if you say, you know, I want to build the world's biggest bridge yep. and it's going to go across the Atlantic ocean that's that's all fine if you have all these leaders really talking with each other about these ideas and you know feeding off of it and planning it but yeah. like ultimately it's an engineering task so it's the it's the perspective of the engineer where it's going to determine whether it can be real or not and obviously what's possible has been challenged in the past and that's why you know buildings have been built higher and bridges longer and new technologies emerge but yeah that is interesting then then these sage leaders who are typically in roles of thought they're not necessarily building things how do they respond or how should they respond then when you know they get confronted with reality a reality that maybe they don't like I think the sage leader ultimately needs to adopt par at least part of the engineering mindset, mm -hmm. which tends to work well. I, I think mm -hmm. the um, it's almost the sage leader is a mindset of all worlds, mm -hmm. of all things. Mm -hmm in a way. Um, the, um, if they cannot speak the language, or at least, you know, demonstrate their effort to understand 
uh, what the engineering uh, person uh, tried to bring forth, uh, that won't work either. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I see a lot of the times in organizations, let's say uh, engineer, an engineer can become more successful if they become more politically savvy. A leader may become more successful if they really empathize you know, with the perspective of the engineers. But at the same time, uh, they see from a, also from a, a business perspective. Those are, what does, yeah, mm -hmm. those are the, what does, yeah. go ahead. What does it mean to be politically savvy? That means, you know, the, uh, you have to have a certain sensitivity about the organizations, you know, mm -hmm. what, you know, is trying to do because nothing, everything is connected. So that's why that, but at the same time, you know, we are in the, living in a world, more specialized world. There's the discipline of engineering. There's a discipline of, you know, history or all kinds of disciplines. So within that disciplines, you have very in-depth expertise. There's a certain mm -hmm. way of speaking, a certain way of uh, understanding and, and thinking. Mm -hmm. So that is very valuable because through depth, we're, we're trying to get a deeper understanding of the world. But that depths need to be complemented with a certain, uh, at least appreciation of the breadth of the bigger picture. So that's a lot of the times, a lot of the tension arise uh, because we all, we, we cannot be a person, like no one can become a, know it all right right so we cannot but we have to be um very solid in our expertise but at the same time create space or give space to other perspectives and so it's really the same task then whether it's the the engineer or the CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the CEO that sometimes the the conversation gets a little bit easier. Let's say uh, the CEO him or herself, you know, had you know came through the ranks through the engineering background, because mm -hmm. we see like in certain organizations, let's say a CEO used to be a sales rep, so mm -hmm. that person empathizes with the yeah. sales rep a lot. We all came from somewhere, but that somewhere, mm -hmm. as you get higher, uh, it's still part of your like a background, your way of thinking. Mm -hmm. But the, the the being aware that there are other perspectives, uh, it's so important. And so, kind of lastly, mm -hmm. there there's a concept and. In Taoism, Wuji um, Bifan, um, the that when when things go to their extreme, they become the opposite. And so, what is what does happen if if leaders aren't employing delegation and empowering people 
and and using these Taoist characteristics to lead, you know, describe that state of that extreme state, and then what happens? Um, at least I, you know, I think there are two sets of consequences. One for themselves. Uh, nowadays, you you frequently, I, I think. In the past, it was kind of almost like a taboo or a stigma that a lot of leaders are, uh, uh, you know, have mental disorders. They, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they suffer from depressions and all other mm-hmm. mental problems. Now mm-hmm. it's more and more that you know uh, they they can even like embrace that kind of uh, vulnerability. You know, part of mm-hmm. the reasons, uh, you know, can be, you know, their life experiences. But a lot of times when they become too overwhelmed, they are under a lot of pressure because I think, you know, with their compensation and also with a lot of CEOs having more and shorter tenure because the board also become very, the board of the company mm-hmm. uh, also sees they, they, they are, you know, under the market. They, they also yeah. have a more of a short-term orientation. So, you know, they recruit from the, the talent market, you know, those uh, CEOs who they think are promising if they don't deliver. They have more and low tolerance for those kind of people. So, uh, so you can imagine that a lot of the CEOs are trying to, you know, move things around and, you know, like try to make that short term, try to deliver that short-term results. So a lot of time they, they truly work very long hours and you know tr- uh, I think without delegation, they can get very burned out. But mm-hmm. sometimes even before they, they realize it because they, they always are kind of a driven, they feel like they haven't hit the limit yet, but mm-hmm. in reality, they are already uh, beyond their capacity. So that's for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of burnt burnout can come yep. a lot quicker, and and it's interesting just again just thinking about Dow, which is timeless, existing within these organizations where it seems like everyone from the board down, it's like they're they're really trapped in the gears of time. Yeah, really trapped yeah. in the mechanism of time. Which, I mean, that's this is a whole other podcast topic, but. Um, Dow is being timeless. What happens when it tries to get brought into something that's so time bound? Yeah, you know that that you know time and linear time only existed as um, people had more reasoning skills, and it's our reasoning skills that enabled us to create more and more technology. But what's happened is, is that the more and more knowledge and technology we create, the more we trap ourselves in time where that's what leads to dissatisfaction, unhappiness, lack of freedom, where Tao is all about this timeless existence outside of time. So still, I'm still feeling like I'm trying to reconcile how that can co exist, but also notice that we 
don't have a whole lot of time, but would you speak to that a little bit? Just, you know, how Dow is something timeless when, you know, rationale, rules, logic, all of our economic, the creation of money, all that exists within time, which is trapping and a prison and Dow, which is timeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like the, given the current state of human nature, uh, we are bound uh, to be uh, driven by time. I, I think we can't undo it. Yeah, we know it. yeah. Just the 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 human, because we live in time, right? Our thought is time. Our thoughts, our the the rational thought is time. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a movement. Um, mm-hmm. So, without fundamental change of that of consciousness, uh, I think that's just the way, or maybe, you know, we can make it a little bit lesser, or I don't know, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's hard to, 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 to change. But I do think there's the room, you know, just being aware, there's a whole another dimension there. Uh, mm-hmm provide some kind of a hope or maybe relief. Maybe, you know, human beings, you know, with that hope can evolve into another kind of dimension. But that in itself, I guess it's uncertain. We can taste, you mm-hmm. know, of it uh, once in a while. Uh, unless mm-hmm. like you are, sometimes I even, I'm, I'm even a doubtful that by being a professional, you know, person, like, you know, we each thing, if you devote more time into that timeless mm-hmm. dimension, I haven't experienced it so far. I'm, you know, I'm looking for it, you know, but I don't mm-hmm. know what it is truly will look like. Yeah, it is unsatisfying yeah. to provide the answer, but that's the, the, the answer I, I feel at this point in time, <laughs> another point mm-hmm. in time. Yeah, and obviously the these are philosophical problems, which mm-hmm. I agree with the philosophers that say that philosophy itself can't solve the problem because all it does is create more reasoning, and it's it's actually reasoning that amplifies our being trapped in time, and being trapped in time is this problem that's been un, unleashed. Um, you know, Rousseau talked a lot about it, just like once we created civilization and these organizations and governments, mm-hmm. that opened up a whole way of existence that now we're kind of stuck in because there's no way of getting out of it. And so to con- just to kind of conclude what we're talking about, what what we're what we're trying to do when talking about these Taoist characteristics, knowing we're kind of in a place where the timelessness can't, the the timelessness of Tao is sort of an impossible task just because of how our, our brains have been changed by civilization and reasoning and rationale and the economic system and the cultural system. We're trying to give people some 
indication of some characteristics that they can use to create more more flexibility within this time-bound world, knowing that attaining the timeless is probably not a possible achievement. That's a fair way of putting it. I, I think if in this time-bound time universe we're living in, if occasionally we through that awareness, we can free up that, right? Loosen a little mm -hmm. bit, forget about the time. Mm -hmm. That can be a, a, a blessing uh, in itself. But if we try to create it and uh, sustain it using force mm -hmm. to, to get it, to attain mm -hmm. it, uh, that may not uh, you know, end up in a good place. That's my sense of things. That's maybe that's the whole mystery of life itself. You cannot, Wu Wei is probably the thing. Yeah. Well, thanks David for your insights and, and leadership. And, um, obviously it's, it's a, it's a challenging, space to be a human and it's even a more challenging space to be a human responsible for many other humans in this very uncertain time yes thank you and thanks to our listeners we always invite you to reach out to us if you have any questions or feedback you can visit us on the web at walkingthetimelessway.com <laughs>